Geostatistics Explained Chapter 10, Single Factor Analysis of Variance. 10.1 Introduction. So far, this book has only covered tests for one and two samples. Often, however, you're likely to have univariate data from three or more samples from different localities or experimental groups and wish to test the hypothesis that, quote, the means of the populations from which these samples have come from are not significantly different to each other, unquote. Or that your mu from your first group, second group, third group, fourth group, and fifth group are all approximately equal. For example, you might have data for the percentage of tourmaline in granitic rocks from five different outcrops, and wish to test the hypothesis that these have come from populations with the same mean percentage of tourmaline, perhaps even the same pluton. Here you could test this hypothesis by doing a lot of two-sample t-tests that compare all the possible pairs of means, e.g. mean 1 compared to mean 2 compared to mean 3 compared to mean 2 com ah, wait, mean 1 compared to mean 2, mean 1 compared to mean 3, mean 2 compared to mean 3, etc. The problem with this approach is that every time you do a two-sample t-test and the null hypothesis applies, you run a 5% chance of a type 1 error. So, as you do more and more tests on the same set of data, the risk of a type 1 error rises rapidly. Put simply, if you do two or more two-sample tests on the same data set, then it is likely to have it, it is like having more than one ticket in a lottery where the chances of winning are 5%. The more tickets you have, the more likely you are to win. Here, however, to win could be to make the wrong decision about your results. If you have five groups, then there are 10 possible pairwise combinations among them, and the risk of getting a type 1 error when using an alpha of 0.05 is 40%, which is extremely high. Box 10.1. Obviously, there's a need for a test that compares three or more sample means simultaneously, but only has a risk of type 1 error the same as your chosen value of alpha. This is where analysis of variance, ANOVA, can be used. Box 10.1 the probability of a type 1 error increases when you make several pairwise comparisons. Every time you do a statistical test where the null hypothesis applies, the risk of a type 1 error is your chosen value of alpha. If alpha is 0 0.05, then the probability of not making a type 1 error is 1 minus alpha, or 0.95. If you have three means and therefore make three pairwise comparisons, 1 versus 2, 2 versus 3, and 1 versus 3, then the probability of no type 1 errors is 0.95 cubed equals 0.86. The probability of at least one type 1 error is 0.14 or 14%. For four, for four means, there are six possible comparisons, so the probability of no type 1 errors is 0.95% or 0.95 to the sixth, or 0.74. The probability of at least one type error is 26%. For five means, there are 10 possible comparisons, so the probability of no type 1 error is 0.95 to the 10th, 0.6. The probability of at least one type error, type 1 error is 0.4 or 40%. These risks are unacceptably high. You need, to, you need a test that compares more than two means with a type 1 error the same as alpha. A lot of Earth scientists make decisions on the results of ANOVA without knowing how it works. But it is also very important to understand how ANOVA does work, so you can appreciate its uses and limitations. Analysis of variance was developed by the statistician Sir Ronald A. Fisher from 1918 onwards. It is a very elegant technique and can be applied to numerous and very complex experimental designs. 
This book introduces the simpler ANOVA models because an understanding of these makes the more complex ones easier. The following is a pictorial explanation, like the ones developed to explain t-tests in chapter 8. This approach is remarkably simple, and does represent what happens. By contrast, a look at the equations in many statistics tests make ANOVA seem very confusing indeed. 10.2. Single-Factor Analysis of Variance Imagine you're interested in understanding the occurrence of tourmaline in the pegmatites scattered throughout western Maine. This area was the source of the first gem tourmaline mined in the U.S., which was discovered at Mount Micah, just outside Paris, Maine, in 1820. Subsequent exploration has found several other pegmatites, some of which have been mined for industrial minerals, including gemstone varieties of the tourmaline group. However, not all pegmatites are the same, apparently because the parent magmas have different chemistries. Some contain valuable green, pink, and two-toned watermelon, gemmy tourmalines, but others have only the glossy black elongated crystals of the shoral species. Scoral? Scoral. Prospecting to discover new gem-containing pegmatites in the region would be greatly simplified if the genetic relationships among the existing ones could be clarified. One way of distinguishing among pegmatites is to measure the ratio between stable oxygen isotopes, O18 and O16, in tourmalines. The results are reported in delta notation as delta-18 oxygen per mil percent units relative to delta-18 oxygen in Vienna Standard Mean Ocean Water, VSMOW, previously discussed in Chapter 8. You have obtained isotopic data on samples of tourmaline from three different localities. In statistical terms, these three localities represent and are often called different treatments. At each location, four tourmalines were collected. In statistical terms, these are called replicates, and correspond to the sampling units, described in Chapter 1. The total number of replicates from each, sample, each location comprises a sample. A sample of four tourmalines was collected from the Sabago batholith, the largest pluton in Maine, and the possible, quote, parent magma body for smaller occurrences. Another sample of four was collected from the Mount Mica pegmatite, which is a shallowly dipping sill of undetermined thickness located about four kilometers to the northeast of Sabago Batholith. The final sample of four specimens was from the Black Mountain pegmatite in Brumford, about 15 miles north of the Sabago Batholith. Your null hypothesis is that there is no difference in isotopic composition among the populations from which these samples have been taken. The alternative hypothesis is there is a difference in isotopic composition among the populations from which these samples have been taken. The results of this sampling have been displayed pictorially in figure 10.1, with O18 increasing on the y-axis and three treatment categories on the x-axis. This means that of each group of four are the sample means of each group of four are shown, together with the grand mean, which is the mean of all delta-18 oxygen and of all 12 tourmalines. Figure 10.1, pictorial representation of the oxygen isotope, oxygen stable isotope ratio for tourmalines from three mine localities in Maine. The value of the delta-18 oxygen for tourmaline increases up the page. The heavy horizontal line shows the grand mean, while the shorter lines show the means for each location. The value for each replicate tourmaline analysis is shown as a square, as a filled square. Now, think about the data for each tourmaline. There are two possible sources of variation that will contribute to its displacement from the grand mean. First, there is the effect on the locality, i.e. the treatment. It is from the Sabago Batholith, Mount Micah, or Black Mountain. 
Second, there is likely to be variation within each of these three deposits that cannot be controlled, such as slight differences in cooling history, heterogeneity of the magma, and interactions with groundwater, plus errors associated with the isotopic measurements. This uncontrolled variation is called error. Therefore, the displacement of each point on the y-axis from the grand mean will be determined from, by the following formula. Delta 18 oxygen of tourmaline equals the treatment plus the error. In figure 10.1, tourmalines from the Sabago batholith and Black Mountain appear to be similar. Perhaps they are cogenetic, but My Mount Mica seems to have a distinctly higher uh, delta 18O value. But is this significant, or is it just the sort of difference that might occur by chance among samples taken from populations with the same mean? A single factor ANOVA calculates this probability in a very straightforward way. The key to understanding how the ANOVA does this is to consider the reasons why the values for each replicate in treatments in treatment means are where they are. Figure 10.2. Arrows show the displacement of each replicate from its respective treatment mean. This is due to variation to error only. First, the isotope results for the four individual tourmalines from each location will be displaced from the treatment mean by error only. This is called error or within group variation, figure 10.2. Second, each treatment will be displaced from the grand mean by any effect of that treatment plus error. Here, because we're dealing with treatment means, the distance between a particular treatment mean and the grand mean is the average effect of all the replicates within that treatment. To get the total effect, you have to think of this displacement occurring for each of the replicates. This is called among group variation, figure 10.3. Third, the stable isotope ratio for each of the 12 tourmalines will be displaced from the grand mean by both sources of variation. The within group variation, figure 10.2, plus the among group variation, figure 10.3, described above. This is called the total variation. In figure 10.4, the distance replaced is shown, displaced is shown for the four tourmalines in each treatment. Figures 10.2 to 10.4 show the dispersion of points around means. Therefore, it is possible to calculate separate variances from each figure. A, the within group variance, which is due to error only, figure 10.2, can be calculated from the dispersion of the replicates around each of their respective treatment values, treatment means, sorry. B, the among group variance, which is due to treatment and error, uh, figure 10.3, can be calculated from the dispersion of the treatment means around the grand mean. The distance between each treatment mean and the grand mean will represent the average effect for the number of replicates in that treatment. And C, the total variance, figure 10.4, is the combined effects of the within group variance and the among group variance, quantities A and B above. This can be calculated from the dispersion of all the points around the grand mean. Figure 10.3. The arrows show the displacement of each treatment mean from the grand mean and represent the average effect of the treatment plus error for the replicates of that treatment. Figure 10.4. Arrows show the displacement of each replicate from the grand mean. The length of each arrow represents the total variation affecting each replicate. These estimates give you a very useful way of assessing whether the three treatment means have come from populations with the same mean mu. First, if there's no effect of any treatment, in this case each pegmatite, the among group variance due to treatment plus error will be a small number because 
all the treatment means will only be displaced from the grand mean by any effect of error. Figure 10.5, pictorial representation of A, no effective treatment. The three treatments, treatment means, are only displaced from the grand mean because of error, so the among group variance will be relatively small. B, an effect of treatment. There are relatively large differences among the treatment means, so they are further from the grand mean, causing the group variance, among group variance, to be relatively large. Second, if there is a relatively large treatment effect, some or all of the treatment means will be very different to each other and further away from the grand mean. Therefore, the among group variance due to treatment plus error will be large compared to the within group variance due to error only, figure 10.5b. As the differences among treatments get larger and larger, so will the group, so will the among group variance. Therefore, to get a statistic that shows the relative effect of treatments compared to error, all you have to do is calculate the among group variance due to the treatments plus error and divide this by the within group variance due to the error. Among group variance times the sum of treatment plus error, all of that divided by the within group variance times error. If there is no treatment effect, then both the numerator, <laughs> numerator, numerator and denominator of equation 10.2 will only estimate the error, so the value of this statistic will be approximately 1, figure 10.5a. But as treatment effect increases, 10.5b, the numerator of equation 10.2 will get larger and larger, so the value of the statistic will also increase. As it increases, the probability that the treatments have been taken from populations with the same mean will decrease and will eventually be less than 0.05. The statistic obtained by dividing one variance by another is called the F-statistic, or F-ratio, in honor of Sir Ronald A. Fisher. Once an F-ratio is calculated, its significance can be assessed by looking up the expected distribution of F under the null hypothesis of no difference among the treatment means. Just like the example of the chi-square statistic discussed in Chapter 2 and the Z and T statistics in Chapter 8, even when the treatment groups are drawn from populations with the same mean, that is, there is no effect of any of the treatments, the value of the statistic will, just by chance, be larger than a particular five value in 5% of cases and can be considered statistically significant. 10.3, an arithmetic pictorial example. Doing a single, single factor analysis of variance is straightforward and the following example will also help you interpret the results provided by statistics programs. Here, we will return to the example of the main pegmatites, but we'll use a different variable to assess possible differences among localities, the amount of magnesium in the tourmaline, expressed in terms of percent weight uh, magnesium oxide. We are using a simplified data set for tourmalines sampled at three localities, treatments, with each of these three samples containing four replicates, table 10.1. To do a single factor ANOVA, all you have to do is calculate among the among group treatment variance and divide this by the within group error variance to get the F ratio. The procedure is shown pictorially below. Figure 10.6, pictorial representation of the magnesium oxide content of tourmalines from three localities in western Maine, expressed in terms of weight percent magnesium oxide uh, content which increases with distance up the page. The heavy horizontal line shows the grand mean, while the shorter lines show the treatment means. The weight percent magnesium oxide content of each replicate is shown as a filled in box. Boxes show the values of the three treatment means and the grand mean. 
10.3.1 Preliminary Steps First, you calculate the grand mean by taking the sum of all the values and dividing this by n, which is 12. The value of the grand mean is shown in the large box to the right of the line indicating the position of the grand mean in figure 10.6. Second, you calculate each treatment mean by taking the sum of the values in each treatment and dividing by the appropriate sample size. Here, in each case, it is 4. These values are shown in the boxes to the right of the lines indicating each treatment mean. These are all values, all the values you need to calculate the three different variances. Figures 10.7, 10.8, and 10.9 show the calculation of the total error and treatment variances. The general formula for any sample variance is this stuff. Yay. Uh, figure 10.7, calculation of the within group error sum of the squares and variance. This has been done in two stages. First, the displacement of each point from its treatment mean has been squared, and these values added together to get the sum of the squares. Second, this value has been divided by the number of degrees of freedom to give the entire mean square value, which is the within-group error variance. I have no idea what's happening here. I'm not going to try to describe that here. It says step one, the within-group error sum of squares is random stuff. Step two, the within group error variance is 30 divided by nine equals 3.33. Uh, I am not sure where that is from. I'll have to come back and look at this in more detail. Okay, the general formula for any sample variance is this complicated stuff and the variances have been calculated in the next two steps. First, the sum of each value minus the appropriate mean and then squared, the numerator of the equation above is called the sum of squares, has been calculated. Um, second, this value has been divided by the appropriate degrees of freedom, the denominator of the equation above, to give the variance, which is often called the mean square. 10.3.2, calculation of the group variation, of within group variation error. This has been done in two steps in figure 10.7. First, you calculate the sum of squares for error. The distance between each replicate and its treatment, meet error, or treatment mean is the error associated with that replicate. You need square of each of these values. <laughs> you square each of these values and add them together to get the sum of squares. Second, you calculate the error variance, often called the error mean square, by dividing the total number by the total number of degrees of freedom. To obtain the appropriate number of degrees of freedom, you need to take one away from the appropriate number within each treatment and sum the degrees of freedom remaining. Because each treatment contains four replicates, the number of degrees of freedom is three plus three plus three equals nine. Figure 10.8, calculation of the among group treatment, sum of squares and variance. This has been done in two steps. First, the displacement of each treatment mean from the grand mean has been squared. This value has to be multiplied by the sample size within each treatment to get the total effect for the replicates within that treatment because the displacement is the average for that treatment. These three values are then added together to give the sum of squares. Second, this value has been divided by the number of degrees of freedom to give the mean square value, which is the among group treatment variance. Note that one of the treatment means happens to be the same as the grand mean, but this will not always occur. Step one, 
the total among group treatment of sum of squares is the sum of the average displacement of each treatment, squared and multiplied by the sample size of each treatment. Stuff. The among group treatment variance is 72 divided by 2 equals 36. Ten point three point three calculation of among group variation treatment. This has been done in two steps in Figure ten point eight. First, you calculate the sum of squares for treatment. The distance between any of the three treatment means uh, and the grand mean is the average effect of that treatment. Therefore, to get the total effect for all the replicates within each treatment, this value has to be squared and then multiplied by the number of replicates in that treatment. And these values added together to give the sum of squares for that treatment. Second, you calculate the variance, often called the mean square, by dividing the sum of squares by the degrees of freedom, which is n minus 1, where n is the number of treatments. Here, because there are three treatments, there are only two degrees of freedom. 10.3.4. Calculation of the total variation. First, you calculate the sum of squares for the total variation by taking the displacement of each point from the grand mean, squaring it, and add to get, adding together all of the to adding these together for all replicates. This gives the total sum of squares. Dividing the number of degrees of freedom, because this is a sample of 12, there are n minus 1 degrees of freedom, which is in this case 11, gives the mean square. This has been done in two steps in figure 10.9. Finally, to obtain the F ratio, which compares the effect of treatment to the effect of error, you simply divide the among group treatment variance by the within group error variance. Table 10.2, summary of the results of the calculations from figures 10.7 to 10.9. The results have been formatted as a typical single-factor ANOVA summary table provided by most statistical software packages. Note the significant probability of 0 0.004. Wow, yeah, that's cool. Still have no idea what it means. <laughs> Because the treatment variance is 36, figure 10.8, and the error variance is 3.33, figure 10.7, the F ratio of treatment variance error variance is 36 divided by 3.33, which is equal to 10.8. Table 10.2 gives the results of this analysis in a familiar format to the one provided by many statistical software packages. Here you may be wondering why the total sum of squares and total variance in the experiment have been calculated because they are not needed for the F ratio given above. The calculation has been included to illustrate the additivity of the sums of squares and degrees of freedom. Note from table 10.2 that the total sum of squares, uh, 102, is the sum of the treatment, 72, plus the error, 30, sums for squares, sums of squares. Note also that the total degrees of freedom, 11, is the sum of the treatment, 2, plus the error, 9, degrees of freedom. This additivity of sums and squares and degrees of freedom will be used when discussing more complex ANOVA models. Now all you need is the critical value of the F ratio. This used to be a tedious procedure because there are two values of the degrees of freedom to consider, the one associated with the treatment mean square and the one associated with the error mean square, and you had to look up the critical value in a large set of tables. However, you can use statistics programs now to run this analysis, generate the F ratio, and obtain the probability. There's a significant difference among the three treatments because the probability, 0 0.004, given in the column on the far right of the table 10.2, is less than 0 0.05. The F ratio is always written with the number of degrees of freedom 
for the numerator and the denominator given in order as a subscript. Therefore, the F ratio for the among group mean square divided by the within group mean square from table 10.2 would be written as F29 because there are two degrees of freedom for the among group variance and nine degrees of freedom for the within group variance. 10.4, unequal sample sizes, unbalanced designs. The examples in this chapter have been used, have used a sampling design with equal numbers in each treatment. If they are not equal, the method for calculating the F ratio will still work, but the means and variance within each group will not be estimated with the same precision, chapter seven. For example, the mean of a relatively small sample is likely to be less precise than that of a larger one, so the conclusion from a comparison of means may be misleading. You should, wherever possible, aim to have equal numbers in each treatment, especially when sample sizes are relatively small. 10.5. An ANOVA does not tell you which particular treatments appear to be from different populations. Although a significant result of a single-factor ANOVA indicates that the treatments are unlikely to come from populations with the same mean, it has not shown where the actual differences lie. In the example given above, a significant effect might be caused by all three pegmatites having different percentages of magnesium oxide, or by one having a significantly higher percentage than the other two, which were lower and similar, or by one having a significantly lower percentage than the other two, which were higher and similar. You must also, you, you will almost certainly want to know at least which pegmatite has the highest and which one has the lowest percentage of magnesium oxide. To do this, you'll need to make multiple comparisons among the treatment means. This procedure is described in chapter 11. 10.6, fixed or random effects. This is an important concept. There are two types of single factor ANOVA, which are called model one and model two. An understanding of the difference between them is necessary, particularly when you meet two factor ANOVAs later in this book. A model one or fixed effects ANOVA applies when the treatments, e.g. the three localities, have been specifically chosen. You are only interested in comparing three pegmatites and the null hypothesis reflects this. There is no difference in magnesium oxide content of pegmatites from the Mount Mica, Sabago, Batholith, and Black Mountain. That was a quote unquote, whoops. A model two or random effects ANOVA applies to more general hypotheses. Instead of only comparing these specific localities to the, the hypothesis might be Quote, there is no difference in magnesium oxide content among pegmatites in Maine. Unquote. Therefore, the three localities chosen and used in the experiment are merely random representatives of all the pegmatites that occur in Maine. For a single factor ANOVA, the actual computations for both models are the same. But if you have done a model 2 ANOVA, you would not normally go any further and make multiple comparisons among treatments because you would not be interested in knowing which of the randomly chosen treatments were different. This is discussed in more detail in chapter 11. When you do two-factor ANOVAs, which are discussed in chapter 12, it also matters whether the effects are fixed or random. 10.7, questions. The following simple set of data is for three, quote, treatment groups, each of which contains four replicates. Treatment A, one, two, three, and four. Treatment B, one, two, three, and four. Treatment C, one, two, three, and four. The mean of each group is the same. The data give some within, within group error variance around each treatment mean, but because the treatment means are identical, there is no variation among groups. A, do you expect the within group error sum of squares and mean square values to be zero? B, do you expect the among group 
sum of squares and mean square values to be zero. Use a statistical package to run a single factor ANOVA on these data. C. Are the results consistent with what you expected? Finally, change the values for one treatment to 21, 22, 23, and 24 and run the analysis again and look at the mean square values and F ratio. D. Is there a significant difference among groups? E. Have the within group error sum of the squares and mean square changed from the analysis in C? Can you explain this? 2. Which of the following experimental designs may be suitable for analysis as a Model 1 ANOVA? A. A geoscientist was interested in testing the general hypothesis that the mean grain size of sediment varies among alpine lakes. They selected three lakes, Lake Veronica, Lake Michael, and Lake Monica, at random from a total of 21 lakes, and took a sample of 10 replicates from within each. A geoscientist was interested in testing the specific hypotheses, hypothesis that the mean grain size of sediment varied among three alpine lakes, Lake Veronica, Lake Michael, and Lake Monica. So they took a sample of 10 replicates from within each. C. A petroleum geologist was asked to analyze whether the mean daily yield of oil differed significantly among the only six offshore wells owned and operated by the Sando Oil Company in the Gulf of Mexico and identify whether any wells gave significantly higher results, higher, higher yields. So are the first two like basically the same? Interesting. Um, probably some sort of difference, unless it's a typo. Three. An eminent geographer recently said, quote, the concept of model one and model two is irrelevant to single factor ANOVA because the calculations are the same in each case, unquote. Do you agree or disagree? Why? Four, an earth scientist did a single factor ANOVA and obtained a treatment F ratio of 0.99. They said, quote, that F ratio isn't significant. There isn't even a need to look up a table of probability values, unquote. One of their colleagues was very worried by that and said, quote, I think you had better look up the probability. You can't be so sure, unquote. Who was right? Why? Mm -hmm.